Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have with us Andrew Peak. Andrew Peak. And for those of you who are joining us, because this is most likely our first real episode. Ever, Andrew. Ever. Did our first real one. Yeah, that's so exciting. It's our first real one. We've been practicing about with this for a while. Um, it's it's not as easy as you would imagine, uh, technically speaking. Uh, Andrew and I talking to each other, that's, that's pretty easy. But uh, on every episode, we will begin with what we have chosen to call story time with Andrew. Story time Something with that's Andrew. happened in the past week that's got him thinking about um, how whatever it is that happened applies to home builders and developers and, and all the marketers that are trying to get those homes sold for them. So what do you got for us this week, Andrew? I got a fun one. This one actually inspired me to make an Instagram post. So if you could find the timeline where I talk about this, you could actually see when this story happened. Um, it was, you were feeling I saucy. Was, I was, it got me going. Um, so what happened, someone launched a new website which is super exciting because they were long overdue needing a new site, but they did not have redirects in place for all of their URLs, which is terrible because then everything has to be double checked, which it needs to be anyways. But so Facebook ads were live spending money, Google ads were live spending money. And the worst part was it just wasn't done and it should have been done. It was halfway done. The community pages were done, but these submarket pages, which is where most of the advertising is, was not updated. So everyone was being redirected to just the main homepage. It was crazy. It really got me going. I know, I know. It's terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. Yeah, I mean, new websites are exciting, uh, just like new homes. And it seems like uh, redirects, and we'll talk about a little bit more about what what they are and and why you need them, uh, functionally what they do. But I mean, you're all teed up, right, for a new website. And, it, and just like a new house, it's it's kind of like the landscaping. It's something that, um, you know, when, if you bought a new house yourself, you know that you, you pick out your countertops and, and all the fun stuff on the inside of the house. And then when you get around to your landscaping, you're like, oh, yeah, we do have to have that, don't we? Um, and you never typically have money set aside for the extra trees and shrubs that you'd like to to get the, the look that you want. It seems like redirects are like that for websites. Um, that and they are ironically calls to action. Um, are two of the things that we we often see on website launches where it's it's honestly it's a it's a toss of a coin whether it's going to be done at all. Yeah, it's an it's an afterthought for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're and they're so important, even more so because you know you have your the page on your website, and if it's been there for years and years and years, Google has indexed the site, meaning they know where it is on your site and they have it in their database. And it's ranking. So if you have a page ranking for, say, New Homes, Raleigh, North Carolina, very valuable. You might be, you might, you could probably spend fifteen hundred dollars just on those types of keywords per month with Google AdWords. But if you're ranking organically, you're not paying for those clicks. So if you change the way your URLs are with the new site, and you do not have a redirection in place, you can potentially lose all of that history of organic rankings with Google. Which is terrible. That's so many lost sales and leads that potentially can happen when it can be fixed very quickly for uh, the, the uh, web developer to do. So let's bring it to down to down to earth a little bit. So I'm, I'm a home builder in Columbus, Ohio, and I have a page that is, you know, homebuilder.com slash new homes Columbus. 
and um, slash Dublin, which is a submarket of Columbus. And it shows the two communities that I have in Dublin on that page. You're saying that if, if that URL structure is not pointed to whatever the new site um, has, what do people see if the redirects are they not there at all? Yeah, if there's no redirect in place, they will see hopefully a very beautifully designed um, page not found or a 404 page where it says, oops, this page is missing. Here's what you can do instead. Uh, most of the time, there's not much thought put into those pages, and it just says page not found, and you're sitting there going, oh, okay, click the back button, and then we'll go on to the next person, and they usually won't even try to find what is what yeah, they should have found. Yeah, usually it's just, uh, it's like, it's not skull and crossbones, but it's the construction barriers, like, sorry, this doesn't exist. It's not usually very helpful in terms of restarting no. the user down the path of what they want, and so hopefully they're just clicking your logo and moving on, but... It's a terrible from user experience. It's terrible from if you have ads running, like we do for our clients, and you've got AdWords, Facebook ads, yep. Instagram, uh, even emails that are poised to go out. Um, you've got to hit the pause button, right? Yeah, hit the pause button or have a plan in place Yeah, uh, beforehand, <laughs> before anything goes. Now you're, it's like, now oh, there's... There's so much money put into new sites, but like it just put a plan in place. Here's the current URLs and here's where the new ones should be. Yep. So you talked about the 404, the which up. is the error page. There, there are other kinds of redirects or there are multiple different types of redirects. What is, what's, the, what's the number we're looking for in techie speak? Yep. So you want 301, 301. And what that one does is it tells Google and other search engines, this is the new location of the previous page. So it's like a forwarding address. So it's like permanent forwarding yeah, address. It's like a forwarding address. That's right. You do with the post office when you move, other than losing, you, know, you might want to not forward your mail if all you get is junk mail. But what if you have something that should be coming in super important? So that's why you do forward your mail. That's the exact same thing. You're just saying, hey, Google, here's the new location of this old address. And they don't, they're like, cool, thanks. Thanks for telling me. Now I know. And you'll get to keep all your rankings. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. That, that's bad. The other thing that kind of goes right along with it while we're doing in the middle of story time on, on new websites is not putting new homes in the URL structure at all. So if you're going to go through the process of creating a new site and you have the chance to, to address structural SEO issues that are preventing you from ranking higher, things like not having the words new homes or new home or new communities, um, you know, the things that, that we are marketing and selling at, in the URL structure whatsoever, yeah. Um, it just makes all the sense in the world to do it at the same time because you're likely going to have to do redirects anyway. Might as well redirect them to an even better SEO-friendly structure. I mean, just look at what Zillow is doing. So, right. But you're saying that people don't do this simply because they don't think about it? Well, I mean, from a client's perspective, when the website's yeah. launching, how do you, what, do you, what would you recommend mm -hmm. they do? Um, well, then they need to have that plan in place. And I think using Excel is probably the easiest way. They, they should know off the top of their head the most important pages that they have, the community pages and the submarket pages. And that's really the two categories of, of page types that they need to have accounted for, which might be, for most builders, that might only be like 30 to 40 pages max. Um, some, of course, if they're a multi-state division, all the stuff, it could be hundreds of pages. But for most, it, it should be less than 50 so maybe this is like a two-hour task for someone to to accomplish, have the previous page, have the new pages. And then while they're at it, just like you said, Kevin, if they need to have better SEO and their URL structure, have that done 
at the same time. You know, go ahead and enhance the URLs versus just change them to change them. And I get asked this question so often, I finally pulled it, Andrew, and I just made a tool in Excel that nice. lets you put in your website address, your main uh, city or, or DMA that you do business in, and then your submarkets and your community names. And it spits out what we would recommend as at least a starting point from how you organize that structure. So we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes um, as well. All right. Story time is over. Get excited for next week because we always are going to have a great new story. But let's move on to the news. Let's fire up the news machine. This, we're just going to pick a couple articles each week that are um, breaking and give kind of our opinions because we don't want you getting stuck in just the hype of the headlines. That's right. Um, so what's what's article number one? What do we yeah, got? So so we just had the Super Bowl, of course, and so with the Super Bowl, there's always the ad spend, which I believe I read it. It was like one point something um, billion in ad spend just for the Super Bowl, which just, just blows enough. my mind. Just enough. Just enough. Um, so this was an article by Ad Age, and it um, ranked all of these Super Bowl ads, which is nice because that gives you the top list. So which is funny because what's really one, nice is that the ad that I picked won. Really. My, yeah, my favorite. What was your favorite? Was, what was your favorite? Yeah. Alexa? Alexa loses her voice. That was my favorite, Alexa. too. It was actually entertaining, and it didn't try to be political or too too much emotion. It just was, here's the product, and they're, they're focusing on the product, which is what I liked, instead of trying to play something. Um, what I found interesting with it was, in my opinion, they picked people to be Alexa's substitute. That The premise of the ad is Alexa loses her voice, so they're picking people to replace Alexa. And I thought they picked people that were targeting Gen X and then millennials like Cardi B, Rebel Wilson. I don't even, I don't even know who that is. They're, exactly, honestly. right? Rebel Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, and he's Dr. Ford in, um, was it Westworld? And then Gordon Ramsay. So no one that would, in, say, in the 40s, not 40s, but say high 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, would even know. They're probably watching the commercial like, who are these well, people? No. I mean, that's, yeah, I think Anthony Hopkins and Gordon are pretty and, yep. uh, Anthony Hopkins, yep. generational. But, but Cardi B was shown twice. She yep. was twice, yep. And then Anthony Hopkins show Westworld, which is only on HBO. Um, See, so I thought he was being him. the creepy guy from Silence of the Lambs. I didn't even get the fact that it you was know, a Maybe he always, he always plays series. the creepy guy. So <laughs> He does play so the great creepy guy. He is always the creepy guy. He's, he's pocketed in that creepy guy role. But yeah, it was, it was a great commercial. I think they did a, a great job with it. I didn't want to bring up the uh, the worst commercials because they were just terrible. There were some bad ones where I watched them. Uh, like, what are they even talking worse, there, about? There were some awful. You know what I what I there was something else that kind of hit me when that commercial played, and as I've watched it a couple times since then, just showing other people who who might have missed it, it, it really struck me how much I've come to um, have like an emotional attachment to Alexa's voice. So I love, I mean, obviously I love the idea. I went right over to the um, Echo that we had and tried, was hoping that they had, um, speculation was that they might have put one of those voices as like a temporary replacement for Alexa just to be fun. That or, would be fun. you know, certain pieces. And, and they, I think they missed that opportunity. But, you know, when when it wasn't her voice and then her voice came back at the end of the, of the commercial, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, ah. Yeah, um, all is, and that's kind all of a weird better. thought too. It is a weird I've thought. How much I've grown to enjoy even more, definitely more than Siri. I mean, which which yeah. AI do you prefer? Oh, Alexa, all day long. And and we use we have an Alexa, the second generation, uh, which sounds great, by the way. The kids, my two year old and five year old, talk to her and play songs, 
it's funny having watching that interaction because sometimes Alexa's like, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. And but they as children, they'll they're growing up with Alexa, which is just blows my mind. And in ten years from now, what will they be doing that is just normal for them, but still, you know, that is so new, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty pretty interesting. Uh yeah, if you do not have one of these devices yet in your house, don't be like those people who don't have a Facebook account still. Just just buy one. They're 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 cheap enough. They're not going to um give the FBI, NSA any extra information. If you're worried about that, I always say what do you what do you what do you worry about anyway? But definitely it's it's time for to at least use them. Get one for your parents, grandparents, that they all love them. That's all right, what's right. next? Okay. Um, Google, they are doing more updates as usual. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it was about a year and a half back that Google said that there might be, um, bonus points. I like to call it mm. for websites <laughs> that are secure in their rankings. So they're, they're emphasizing, Hey, if your site is secure, which means it's HTTPS, there's a certificate that keeps all the information private, supposedly, um, you get a, you know, uh, edge up on the competition. So then everyone rushed out and got it done. They paid their developers to change the way the programming worked to work behind the security certificate. So now they're saying July of this, this year to 2018, that if you are not secure, they will label your site not secure, even though it's technically not, not secure. Does that make sense? It's, it's like, <laughs> it's like a double negative. There's, it's, there's no private information being passed. So it's, it, that there's no uh, okay, reason so, for it to yes. be secure. So, but I mean, they're it's still saying it's not while, secure, right? Uh, if you went to mm -hmm. check out somewhere and it wasn't a secure connection, everyone's been warning you with flashing lights for a long time. Like, Hey, you're, Correct. you're on a place that's asking for credit card information that might not be secure. What you're saying now is, which is Anywhere where most home builders site. are. They don't have a e-commerce platform where you're checking mm -hmm. out and paying for options with a credit card <laughs> in advance. <laughs> um, check out at the home. But yeah, it's, it's pretty, it is pretty interesting um, for sure. Um, those who are less technical, you get that little pop-up in Chrome that says, hey, just so you know, this thing is not secure. And sometimes it's not even little. Um, and you have to hunt for the for the okay, let me pass icon. That's yeah, that's it's that's a scary big deal for the yeah. consumer. And then you you have to pay for it. So you pay for the certificate. And more than likely you'll need um, work done on your site because let's say you have an image hosted somewhere that is HTTP. So it's according to Google, not secure. And if that's on a secure page, the page is then, quote, not secure. So now you have to double check everything that is linked and, and as a resource on your website to make sure it's secure. And then there might be programming that need to be modified to make the filters work where you know it searches the database to bring up a home. Yeah, this could be a yeah, lot of you, work. You, uh, you caught a good one uh, uh, a couple weeks ago where it was it was the Google Map API that yeah. was being used that was not coming from a secure. So the rest of the page was secure, but it was still showing that overall the site was not fully secure because it was pulling in Google um, information that was not coming yeah, from HTTPS. It was, it was a sneaky one because you would assume that everything would just, by default, with Google making changes like this, that everything would just be secure that they have. But yeah, the, the Map API was not... It was, it's strange. So people have some time. How, when did you say this goes into effect? 2018 of this year. That That is this year, obviously, July of 2018. <laughs> 2018. I'm still getting July. used to that. I'm still thinking it's 2017. Oh, gosh. Uh -huh. July 2018. So get it done. And, and despite what you think, you know, I actually, I'm not fluent in any programming language. I got a, I barely got a C in C++ uh, when I was in college. So, you know, we use WordPress to host our site, and it, it's not... Um, 
it's not the best thing. Most home builders hopefully don't have WordPress. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in about 30 minutes, I was able to make our site 98% secure because uh, it really is, at the end of the day, kind of a find and replace like Word, a Word document, find HTTP, replace it with HTTPS. Now, that, that's assuming that where you're pulling from um, does have the ability to send it to you in HTTPS. So like you said, there's more to it. But just you have to get it done. Just don't let people take advantage of you. To, again, we always say this, just do a Google search, watch some YouTube videos, get a little bit educated because, I mean, I've heard pricing like five, six thousand oh, wow. dollars um, to make a site secure. That's crazy. Which seems a bit excessive. That seems excessive. Now, of course, if you're if you're NVR Pulte, yeah, that's probably it's probably a steal. But if you're doing 100, 200 homes a year, that seems like it's a little bit high. So just do your homework and uh, and be a, an informed consumer. All right, article number three. Facebook is testing downvote comments, down a downvote button on comments, which we always want because you could only like, you could only like, you could only like. But now this will be on a comment. You could actually downvote a comment. And then they give you a pop-up of why you downvoted that. So you can't just be this this grumpy cat all day long and downvote everything that you see on Facebook. So you have to actually give a reason. So it, it, with that, I do like it. Are they pre are they predetermined reasons, Correct. or you just type in whatever mm -hmm. you yep, think? Yep, the predetermined okay. reasons. So you you click downvote, and then another pop-up happens right there on the comment, and it will say this comment was offensive, this was misleading, or it was off-topic. Hmm. Which is interesting. Well. That that is super yeah. interesting. I mean, I, I I these guys obviously are smarter. They probably all went to Ivy League schools than me. But it seems like they're bringing back the concept of like a schoolyard fight. Like I I just think people already you know kind of downvote with their attention. They go somewhere else. They start ignoring someone. They they unfollow them. They they have all these other options to do. Or worse yet, they just go off and you know let it all fly out in public. I mean, maybe this gives people the chance to kind of get that out of their system without using F-bombs and, and crude language by just saying, I don't like this. Um, but I just, I mean, I hope it's going to show um, to everyone else who is doing the downvoting so it's not like an anonymous mm, that's thing. That's a good idea. Because yep. that would be terrible if you could anonymously, because, you, you know, that's that's a problem that Facebook has in general. I wish they would just require you to somehow prove you are who you are, yep. Uh, so that you couldn't have fake accounts. I think that would be awesome. But if you could downvote anonymously, that would be that'd be dangerous too. That would be that would be dangerous. And I'm not sure if they're giving a the screenshots I just saw. Again, they're they're beta testing this, so this was not everywhere. It was just a informational article about this. I don't know if they're actually giving a total count or even showing that that comment was downvoted, which would be, I think that I. I kind of read it more that way, which huh. I took it as kind of, is this a, a machine learning or AI thing that Facebook is setting up to learn what is negative and what type of comments to, to help <laughs> well, their algorithm and their comments, warning, right? If it goes down that route, if it does go down that route, you better not be too negative because if Facebook says this guy's a negative person, just don't Your stuff let his stuff show. escape. <laughs> yeah. He could hang out by himself and post stuff and no one ever comments on my stuff. Well, it's always negative. Well, Sorry. ultimately we'll just, you know, we'll watch and see if, if downvoting comments on ads becomes a thing um, and brands do or do not have ability to moderate that kind of stuff. That'll obviously be, be huge. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. All right. This next one is my favorite. This I'm one. so glad yeah. you picked this one. Andrew. Good. You take the lead on it because it's your favorite. 
and you actually wow. inspired Seth me. Is, Seth Godin. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, we pulled it from Seth Godin's uh, blog, which, you know, he does the daily daily blog on different topics. And um, there's another gentleman that I, I follow on Twitter and, and read blogs every once in a while named John Acuff, who started as a comedian. Now he's kind of transitioned into uh, um, how, to, how to write, get content out there. And he kind of had a similar blog post to this, but essentially the, the title of the post is Working with a Designer for Paths. And what he lays out is, hey, when you're going to go work with a creative individual, like a designer, there's four potential outcomes for how that interaction is going to go. You know exactly what you want. I call this the Chihuly method, Andrew. Chihuly. Um, you know like exactly it. what you want. And, and you just want someone to create, and you can give them enough specific direction that they can just, you're literally saying, I could make this if I knew how, but I can't. I can describe it to you. And they're just going to... Um, to, to make it happen. I call it the Chihuly method because that's how Chihuly, the Chihuly curved spirally glass um, sculptures that you see, he doesn't actually make any of that glass. He sketches it out on a piece of paper with colored crayon or pencil, gives it to the, to the glass artisans who actually blow it and then he approves it and tells them where to, how, how to put it together. Um, so that's, that's an ideal scenario, but most people are in what he calls category number two. I'm not sure exactly what I want, but I know what it rhymes with. So they can... They can give you kind of a cutout stuff from a magazine, the whole idea of like a, an idea board. And it gives the designer enough of a context to at least know where to start and what to pull from. Um, the, the next one, I'm not a designer, but I understand state change. Um, you know, you know what you want the art or design to accomplish, but you have no idea contextually how to give any advice at all to the designer of how this should be done. You just, you know, you want to build urgency, you know, you want to inspire confidence, um, but then you're just kind of letting the designer go and do what they do best and take that direction and, and, and kind of surprise and delight you. And then number four is just awesome. I'll know it when I see it. And <laughs> I'm just going to read his comment verbatim. Please don't do this unless you have a lot of money and a lot of time and a very patient designer. This demand for tele telepathy, te huh, telepathy is for amateurs. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, um, but John Acuff's post about the same topic was basically like, why, why does everyone want designers, writers, musicians to do work for free? You know, there is no other, if you're, if you're trying to work with an attorney, you can't say, you know what, draft up one version of the will for me for free and send it over to me. And if I like it, I'll pay for, you know, the one for my wife. I just, <laughs> they would laugh at that you. would not happen. No. <laughs> but this whole concept of, yeah, you know, just, sketch a couple logo designs. And if, if one of them is really good, then, you know, maybe I'll pay you to do a final version. Um, it's just not, it's not fair. Last thing, and I'll let you give your opinion on this is when I um, used to do freelance design work out of school, I used to give clients that I would work with a, a copy of a book called the non-designers design book. It's on Amazon. You can still buy it. It's inexpensive. Um, but it's a great little piece that just it, it tells anyone, teaches anyone in about five to 10 minutes, honestly, if you look at it, um, some of the language that they need to use so that when they say, I'll know it when I see it, you can say, ah, nope, that's, that's not going to work <laughs> as in, in this relationship. I need you to at least be able to say, you know, the concepts of visual weight of what white space is, um, just, uh, just basic, basic, uh, language that designers use to talk about things back and forth so that at least you can get away from number four and says, uh, four ways to work with designers and get, get closer to one, two, or three. That's genius. I like that. That is a great idea. 
Yeah, you got to educate them sometimes. So what, what do you right. think? Uh, what was your thoughts yeah, about so this Yeah, so I took piece? it, um, and it was really this week. So I, I actually, I read this blog post, I think it came out like two or three weeks ago. But this week has just been a weird week. Um, and so I, I've had some tasks and projects come my way, which were which category were they in? Um, almost like number four, I'll know it when I see it. Hey, we want to do this. Great. When will that happen? What, what homes are for sale? Yeah, what, well, yeah. <laughs> what community? No context at all. Let's just oh my goodness. Pick, pick a fake name. We obviously, we always stay away, by the way. We will always stay away from using names of individuals and companies and mask all that. Not because um, we don't want to, but because we know that everyone gets obsessed with that stuff and ignores completely what it is we're actually trying to talk about. So happy acres. Happy acres. Just I like what it. What kind of an email does that look like or what kind of request? Happy acres. Hey, this is blah 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 with happy acres. Uh we want to do an event. Can you get this started for us? <laughs> really? Okay, sweet. Let's do the event. Yeah, so so what kind of let's just let's help everyone become uh a a better um person to interact with in a sense. So what what type of information are you missing in that? Ooh, um where it is. So say what submarket or community? Super important. Um, when uh -huh. when the event will happen? Because usually an event people show up to. <laughs> they show up to the event. I feel like so smart saying that, but yeah, they need to show. They need to know where to go, and when and what time. Uh -huh. So now we got what it uh -huh. is, where it is, and how to get there. And then why should they get there? Like, what is it for? Yeah. Is there savings? Is there um, cookies and milk with Santa? Is there? What, why would they show up? So we kind of need those four things. Where will it be? Why should they go? Um, and, and what do they get out of it? And then what the goal is, because yeah. that's the yeah. other thing is, hey, we, we can't give any of our own two cents if we don't know what the ultimate outcome you want from that event is. Do you just want people to show up there to make it look busy? Um, which sometimes you do. Yeah. Do you want appointments? Do you want to try to get sales? And then the budget is the other one. I think um, sometimes people forget that, that there is, um, you know, for everything that you want to get more attention to, you've got to pay some money uh, for, generally speaking, um, so just giving us a sense of how important monetarily is this to you? How much do you want to guarantee success um, to hit those goals that you have? So That's right, which that kind of determines where, like, if it's, say, a very low priority event, as far as like, hey, we have $100 to spend on it, that will limit the amount of uh, creative work that should go into it. My thought, but if this is a, hey, this is a huge event, multi-community and then, oh, we need to get a landing page built. We need to run probably a few different ads. We need to spend, I don't know, 1000 to $2,000, depending on the submarket size. So all those are really important. And, and actually coming up with what needs to be done technically on Facebook and then with landing pages and with the, with the images there's itself. Yep. Awesome. Well, that, that, that'll, that'll do it for the news this week. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, the topic discussion for the week, which this time we're going to talk about landing pages, when to use them, how to use them. We'll be right back. All right, we're back for this week's topical discussion where we'll, we'll pick a single subject, rift on it back and forth, talk up. Uh, down, side to side, all around it, 360 degrees on the topic. And this week we've got up landing pages, something near and dear to our heart. They, we like they them, are. right, Andrew? We love them. I, mean, I, um, I don't know how many I built last year in 2017, but it was quite a few. 
Gosh. People say lots. You built yeah, a few too. <laughs> um, some that I don't even know qualify. They're more like they small were. websites, not really landing pages. You know that's right. You did. You took one over um, for me during Hurricane Irma, and I came back. I got my power on. That's right. And I looked at this landing page that Kevin built, and I was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have a weather machine um, oh, somewhere in your attic, and he said, "I don't want to build this landing page for 200 homes." Uh, and so he caused a hurricane. It was insane. It was. It was beautiful. That's all right. That's right. We tag team. We tag team. Um, so let's just what, what first, Andrew. Uh, what is a landing page? A landing page is the very first page that someone sees after they click a Facebook ad, a Google ad, a link from an email. It's that very first page. Um, and to mm-hmm. so the, the page they land on, one. not always your homepage, usually not your homepage. Nowadays, That's right, actually. Um, but just the, the first page. But when we talk about going forward here, that's that's from an analytics, Google Analytics standpoint. Uh, if you see the word landing pages in analytics, that's the page they landed on. We're talking about something else, which is very specific. Uh, how, how do the landing pages we're going to talk about differ from landing on a page on your They main differ website? because you will, they get stuck at that page, right? So they click the Facebook ad, they go to the page, <laughs> they land there. So it's a landing page. And then the only option for them to do 99% of the time is to fill out the form, make a phone call, or click the back, back button and leave and go on to the next competitor. So they really have to make that decision. Do I want to do this? Knowing that that information that they want it could be behind the form, could be a phone call away, such as joining a list or seeing a list of homes. It's right there. They have to make that choice, which is why they convert so well, because we're kind of forcing that on them. Like, hey, to get past this, this gate right here, you need to give us your information. And so, and then they work. You said that you said the key word. I mean, people gate information all mm-hmm. the time. Mike and I have shared our thoughts on that in the past. Um, that generally speaking, you when times are good, you might need you don't want to gate because it's going to get you more people to talk to. So a silly example is you don't show any pricing at all on your website, um, and someone wants to know where what your pricing starts from. So they fill out the form. Uh, you they become a lead. Someone reaches out to them and they say, how much are your homes? And you say, they start in the 300s. And you say, great, I only can spend 200. I'm gone. So yeah, not a that fan. times an extra thousand people in a couple months, that's a lot of extra uh, noise in the system that generally speaking, you don't want or need. Um, however, there are times where this landing page is stripped down visually. It's, it's simplified because you don't have the whole huge menu. You probably have a logo that might click back to your website, but generally speaking, you just have that gated uh, form, contact form, with the promise of something on the other side, like you said, join a list, etc. Um, so when when do we like to use yep. these? We always like to use them for coming soon communities where they could join a VIP list and they can be on that pre-sale process. It works very very well, and the expectation they're not. They're not offended mentally going, oh, I really have to give you my information to find out how many homes you have. They expect this like, hey, as soon as we know, you'll know. So you should join the list and that's how you will find out what is going on. So always on the yep. coming soon. You get on the priority list. You know what's coming. Yeah. So you're not, you don't, it doesn't feel like you're being a jerk to the consumer because you don't have all the information to give them. They are like, like you said, they understand, okay, I, I, they, they can't give me this like all their other neighborhoods. So, of course, I need to fill this out so that they can practically tell me when they do. Right. When else do we want to use them? If you have an event, 
it almost always looks better. Unless you, you could also do this on a blog page on your website if it is set up to mm-hmm. truly really showcase that event. But if you're spending some big money for that event, and that could be depending on your budget, what big money actually means. But it is probably going to work better if you have that, that page for the event um, landing page set up. And you might not even need to have a, a lead generating component on it. Like there might not be a form to fill out. And that could be optional, but it could be mm-hmm. just a really good way for them to digest what is going to happen at the event, where it is, you know, how many homes are available. All yeah, that. we had the we had a client in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who was giving away a home, and um, we you know, which is a big promotion event, and they had to sell tickets through a third party site, and so you know, we didn't have a contact form, we didn't we weren't trying to get information, we were trying to sell tickets, um, and so by sending them to a really pretty simple direct landing page that that the builder could control prior to getting to the checkout of the tickets. I mean, we sold uh, the last thirty percent in like you know two and a half weeks using that landing page of the tickets that were available. First time they'd ever sold out entirely on those tickets. That's awesome. Um, but there was no form. It was just linking back um, somewhere else or you know for directions if you've got an event. Uh, when else do we want to use them? promos? If you are running, um, let's say you're going with a uh, free outdoor kitchen or free upgrade. That's mm. a very good incentive for them to register. Um, that works really good remarketing. So if you have, you know, say 2000 people seeing that community per month and you go over the last three months, so you have 6,000 people that could potentially see that page and showing that to them is a very good incentive to get those people that were previously interested in that community. And what's awesome is most we're going to talk about tools about how to how to create these yourself as well here in a minute. But what's really awesome as well is you don't have to put that promotion on your main um, site where anyone can browse to it. So again, usually these landing pages you can't navigate to them, um, and so you're only going to be coming from an email campaign, from remarketing, from an ad, from uh, PPC, from somewhere else. So you may not want to let everyone and their brother know that you're discounting homes by twenty thousand dollars unless they already know who you are and you're trying to convert them uh, by the end of the month or quarter. Kind of the same concept with the coming soon neighborhoods is a lot of websites just aren't, they don't have an easy way to make a community look good on the site. Like if you imagine, you know, a a normal fully active neighborhood where you've got a model and you've got pictures and you've got streetscape and you've got, here's what we're building and the price, all that stuff that makes the page look full on a lot of sites, uh, the way they're designed, the default page is it, you just say, well, this is coming soon. And it just looks sad and pathetic in comparison <laughs> to all the other neighborhoods. This lets sad. you you know, have a separate layout and design just for those coming soon communities. Um, and then what? Uh, let's talk about one more. And then let's talk about the tools that we That's use. Right. What, what's your favorite of the oh, other ones we got listed? My favorite here? one, if you are really struggling in a community or a sub-market, and with the caveat that your OSC is prospecting and following up properly. So they're, they're doing their full, their full day's work, right? Then struggle, you know, having a landing page for that sub market or community does work really well. And with that, you'll want to gate, you know, you're essentially hiding the list of available homes behind the contact form, but you do show them the prices upfront, the price range, not necessarily the price of a single home, but the price range. So that way you do know that the people that are submitting the form have seen that price range and you're not getting the people that are, that don't have any idea. So they, they should have that idea. So the, the prospect is at least qualified in that aspect. Okay. Let's talk about percentages on conversions. So you know, Mike just had his article published in professional builder magazine. And uh, we we've 
consistently now for many years, use the one and a half percent as the benchmark you want to strive for. One and a half percent of unique visitors that go to your site, converting into a lead via phone, email, um, form completion, text, etc. One and a half percent of unique visitors to leads. Uh, what kind of percentages are we seeing um, on landing pages for these kind of uh, uses? Yeah, much higher than one and a half percent with the uh, with the coming soon because it's such an easy ask um, for the person just to fill out the form and they you know it's, it's an easy. Those are typically between like ten to twenty percent depending on the demand for that area and the product being offered and how really how well the community coming soon community is being sold. Um, and then with the submarkets or communities that are struggling, that is also reflective of the product. So if it's again like starter home or homes in the 200s, 300s that are much easier to sell, you'll see a much higher conversion rate. It could be as high as 12, 15%. But if it's a higher priced townhome that's already really been struggling because of just the product standpoint and the price compared to what is selling around it. Usually those are down to 4%, which is still much better than 1.5%. Um, it's a different type of lead, of course, than someone who's been on your website for three to, to five minutes. But it's still a lot more people for, for your sales team to talk to. Yes, and that is the pain point. Well, let's first, let's talk about um, the question that we get asked uh, very frequently. People get excited about this, Andrew. They, they say, well, man, if I can get 10%, 15% conversion, which... Um, if you haven't crunched these kind of numbers and you think, well, 1.5 to 10, that doesn't sound, I mean, it's still, it's double digits, but it's not, that is um, orders of magnitude higher than one and a half percent. And so we're talking about going from, you know, potentially getting 150 leads a month to, you know, 400 leads a month. Uh, and so that's a, that's a huge volume change. It is going to require more sifting because we've simplified the messaging on the landing page to be very clear and direct. So the user isn't able to, you know, on their own, spend the extra time looking through 50 pictures in a gallery because we may only show them six. Um, we may only have a three sentence description, whereas on your website, you might have paragraphs and, you know, multiple pages about all these different things for people to browse and get a sense more of who you are. So they don't know as much often. I mean, all they really know is about what they saw in the ad and what's on the landing page, which is significantly less than your whole site. So that means someone's got to do a lot more work on nurturing, follow-up, education. And that's that's where we go to say, well, hold on here. Because what people, again, they get excited and they say, well, let's just, let's use this on everywhere. everything. Like, we don't even do we, need a website anymore. We'll have a website, of course, for <laughs> organic traffic. But why don't we send all of our paid advertising to a page like this? Yeah. And if you have, um, <laughs> we talked last week on about AI and chatbots and all right. If you have those tools set up or you have a team of seven OSCs, by all means, uh, continue to do that. But in general, we have to find this balancing point of quantity and quality and landing pages are, are no different. So, Andrew, question, if um, if we are getting too many leads from a landing page, but um, so, you know, again, Happy Acres, Happy Acres has five leads and we need it to get 20. So we build a landing page right. temporarily to try to figure out how we can fix the website. That's the other thing is we're always using landing pages to prototype and figure out how can we make the website itself work better. Um, but let's say instead of the 20, we get 100. Uh, what do we do? How, how do we kind of 
ratchet that down. You have a party. You have a no, no you don't do that. <laughs> you you that's way too many, right? Because there's no way like if you think about it, is there really that many more people that are able to buy in that area with the time frame? Like it's it it it's almost too too much because it's not not possible. Um so the first thing I would recommend that you do is make sure that all the fields are required on the form. So sometimes what the fields are we talking about? You have first name, last name. That's of course a given email. So those are the two always required. Um, next would be phone number. That one is usually optional, optional. So if you make that required, then that's someone who is, is more serious because they know and they're more willing to have a phone, a conversation on the phone because they know they're going to have that anyways because they're looking to buy a home. If they don't get the phone number, then you know in their mind they're like, "Well, I'm not really ready yet," so they'll they'll withhold that information if they can. So you the conversion rate would likely drop if you require if you require the phone number, which will drop the lead count. And then after that, you can try to add in there like a price filter. You know what is the price you're looking for in a home, and then possibly also location or other features. Um, about the home really, that would any really, additional question yep. that you ask there is going to lower conversion. We talked about that before on Facebook lead ads. Um, you know, same thing applies there. Anytime you're asking for just a little bit more, it's going to drop and it'll drop pretty severely. I mean, um, yeah, we've quick. done this where it's, it's gone down from a, you know, a 14% conversion to a seven or a, a six by adding in and one additional question. Yep. That's so that's a big one. You're essentially just qualifying. Yep, you're disqualifying people through the form. You know, try to filter out who you're not looking for. Yep. Just do us all a favor and uh, make sure that you're keeping everyone in the loop. So don't turn these things on without, of course, your online sales team, inside sales team, That's regular right. sales team, having an idea that this is going to happen. Because, I, I mean, if, even phone call wise, if you go from getting 20 calls a week to 35, that feels like a lot when you're used to 20, that extra 15 oh, yeah. mm -hmm. feels like it's, it's astronomically more, um, to, to take care of. So again, they have special powers, but they are a means to an end, not a replacement of your website for sure. In fact, the one thing that we see people, um, not understand is they'll say, well, I'll just do this for my new community. So I don't have to put it on my website. And that's a mistake because again, most of the time you can choose to have these be a no follow. So search engines are not picking them up. So the example I'm looking here for uh, a builder in, in Eastern PA that we work with you know, new community coming soon to Coopersburg on the landing page that we built. Um, but at 60, 60% or more of the traffic coming to their site is going to come from organic traffic. And so you still have to have that on your site somewhere. Still going to the VIP list, same, same ending place for the lead. Right. But just, you still need to have it there for the organic uh, results as well. Yep, definitely. Yep. Anything else about landing pages that you you get asked about, Andrew, that we didn't cover? Mm. Sales process. Should the sales process mm. be different for those those leads than from the website? Given that they there will be a lot more of them, and they're different. So I guess sales process, and then this one it's not a question, but I, they should be counted separately for the OSC. So it. You don't want to have like month one, they have a really great lead to appointment rate. And the next month that number just drops off the cliff and mm -hmm. it looks like they have no idea what they're doing anymore. Yeah. You need to separate I like to those. call these contacts as opposed to leads. We're getting contact information, 
Um, but until they show a sign of life, and that could be clicking on a link in an email, but then your CRM notifies you, you know, like Lasso does, if, hey, this person's back on the site or keeping track of that in the CRM. So if they're, if they're opening up emails that you're sending, including links, which is why you always want to include links in every email of some kind, you want to put a link in there to be able to track that. Um, until they show some time of t sign of life or the community is close to, to launching in that 45 to 60 day window of launching, um, yeah, probably no personal bomb bomb uh, video emails, probably no personal phone calls going in. I mean, we have uh, a master plan project on the East Coast that we're working on, Andrew, for the last almost uh, six months now. Yeah. And there's almost 4,000 people on that list. Um, there's no way we would expect an online salesperson, new home specialist to be doing personal follow-up um, or even um, personalized follow-up with Could that many imagine? people that far that out. Superhero would have to do that. That would be crazy. Yep. Okay. Tools. And then, and then let's wrap this up. So um, what is our favorite tool? If uh, first of all, you could do this on your own website, if you know how, or if your developer has landing page templates that you can adjust, that would be awesome to have a turnkey solution there. But if you don't, um, how else can people do this, Andrew? So our favorite is unbounce unbounce.com. They're based out of Vancouver, Canada, and they have a really nice tool. Super, 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 super easy to use drag and drop for the people that like to drag and drop. They yeah, could also specify like, dimensions if you want. It's really nice. And there's pre-built templates. Yeah. I mean, you can, there are, there are pre-built templates. You can import templates. Um, if you have a home builder friend who uses Unbounce as well, you can share templates between you um, to, to make things easier. You can easily swap out logos and colors. I mean, it, it can be as powerful as anything in Adobe um, or as simple as Canva. It really can be. Now there is a little bit of um, technical, let's just be real, right? There is some technical know-how that's required to hook it up to your CRM, but it plays mm -hmm. friendly with Gosh, I would All have to, I mean, pretty much yeah. every CRM out there um, so that the leads can be dropped in uh, where they need to go. And if uh, it doesn't connect with your CRM, then you might want to look at a new CRM. <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah. because it yeah. really connects with all of them in some way or another. Um, yeah, that might be something to do. New project for you. Yep. So we'll put a link to Unbounce in the show notes as well. Um, uh, any other alternatives out there? I know, um, gosh, there's the, uh, is it yeah. uh, Lead Pages is, is yeah, one out there as yeah, well? Yeah, so Unbounce is definitely my favorite, and I've, I've used quite a few of the other ones. Um, lead Pages is, is also easier to use, but it's, it's more restrictive. Um, on the templates, like Unbounce, you could really make it mimic, say, like the footer and header of your website exactly, which would be like where your logo is. And then all the, you know, all the contact information would be like in the footer. You could have it mimic that for branding purposes. Um, ClickFunnels is also just as flexible, but that is geared towards maybe single product sales if you're running e-commerce or something. And it's, it's a, a lot more robust. So it's, you might get distracted while you're, while you're in there. But they're all about 100 bucks a month, um, so it's very, very affordable. Yeah, and Unbounce will also let you do um, takeovers and sticky things, and they're kind of expanding out as well. Yeah, um, so not, not just a landing page tool. That's right. Yep. Um, what does the URL structure look like on landing pages? Yep. Where, where do they so go? Like, where do they if, live? For most people, they'll want to set up a subdomain. It could be info happy acres or it could be welcome happy it could be any subdomain that you want it to be uh, that's for most people if you're on wordpress 
which I, I think some people are, there is an integration with WordPress. So then it could be synced up with your WordPress um, site and database. Yep. But I think the subdomain is the easiest route to go mm -hmm. um, to use. If you're familiar with your domain registrar, there's really nice instructions that Unbounce has for literally all of them. And it should take just a few minutes to do. And that's a good one. If you're paying someone to do it, it's really like a two or three minute task for them to do if they are capable, yep. which a web developer should be capable. So it should not be a, hey, this costs $500 and it took us four hours. But to if you get do have up. your GoDaddy or Network Solutions login, you can easily add the alias that's required in there and there are step-by-step -step instructions. Okay, a couple more key points. I keep coming up with new ones. Uh, analytics and um, conversion reporting. Talk to, uh, like, um, if if I'm sending now 20% uh, of my AdWords and Facebook ad traffic to a landing page, my analytics are going to get all messed up. I mean, it's going to look like I'm dropping um, results mm -hmm. in terms of unique visitors to my site, right? How That's do right. I, if you how do, I tackle that? Yeah, so you'll, yeah, you'll want to, you could do it two ways. Um, I think the easiest way is just to use the same tracking tag that's on your website and put it on the landing page. And that way it stays within the same view. So that way you won't have like, say you started them March 1st and you compare March 1st this year to last year, if you do not have that same tracking tag on the landing page, you might see like, oh, we lost 30% of our tra tra traffic, and you'll have a bunch of heart attacks happening and phone calls and emails to you probably on a Friday afternoon. What happened to our, our traffic? What's going on? And people are getting stressed. But if you include it on there, then that will be, that will not happen. Yeah. You could also then track the conversions right within the same um, dashboard that you're looking at. Um, and definitely add the Facebook pixel as well onto um, yep, the landing page. So you can remarket all those people as well um, on Facebook and, and Instagram. Yeah, you know, it's it's not, uh, there are probably some inbound marketing specialists who are screaming at their device right now saying that's that's not the best way. And technically speaking, they're probably right. It's, you know, you will yep, notice right. um, when you look at the, at the landing page data and analytics, that it's going to be messed up. Like you, you will not be able to click that little arrow next to it and open up the page because it will go to your main domain, not the subdomain. So that, you know, but if you know to look for that, it's not a big deal. I mean, the other alternative is to make a new property in Google Analytics. Uh, and, and But then now, you know, in terms of reporting, it just becomes, you know, you got multiple places to look and it just gets a little bit cluttered. So for most people, that's definitely, we'd just say use that same analytic tag, um, set, up, set up conversions for that. Yeah, it's it's the best way to... Uh, keep it keep it simple, even though, yeah, Kevin, you're right. It's it's technically not the right way. You're, you're supposed to have a different property per subdomain. Anyway? That's what I want to know. I know. I mean, it's it's let's like, just, let's, let's make, let's let's make it usable. Works. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> make it usable. Engineers decide those things like, hey, this is the way it should be done, not what's actually easy. If you could combine reporting easily, then, then that would be a different story. But reports usually are at the property level in analytics, and merging those two together is just not not possible yep. that I've seen. And for the sake of Mike and Jen, we'll, we'll loop back on this final topic again. You mentioned it briefly, but sales process, just simplify it. You know, one, two, three... Um, mostly or fully automated follow-ups first before any personalization, even on a, on a uh, community that needs help, may be the right way to go. Um, just, just watch uh, the balance of that. But similar to Facebook leads, we, we will notice that these people just take a little bit more time to nurture. In fact, a lot of some of the online salespeople who asked us to stop doing landing pages altogether because they just they had too many um, leads coming directly from their website to be able to handle well, have now started to come back around and say, you know what? 
Um, I could take a little bit more. Can you turn that back on and maybe just add another filter to try to get the quality up a little bit? But I, I, I like those landing pages, even as opposed to some third-party syndication, which we're, we're a fan of. We want you to do that. But um, sometimes it, those um, those leads, you know, they just take a little bit of extra time to nurture through a few more steps, but um, they, can, they can be great. I think, I think we've uh, cornered the market on all the landing page topics that we I need think to know. We got it. If there is anything that we've missed, you can uh, send us any question that you might have about landing pages still to show at doyouconvert.com. Show at doyouconvert.com. I'm also, Andrew, going to look for a way that people can send us a voicemail. We can play your voicemail live on the show. Ooh, um, that's a great idea. But for this week, I think that'll do it. Andrew, where can people find you? Uh, you write blogs, you do stuff online. Where do people find you? Yeah, so blogs are on the Do You Convert website, doyouconvert.com. Um, and usually I'll share those on my Instagram, which is Andrew Peak DYC, as well as my Facebook, which is also, you could just find me, Andrew Peak, or Andrew Peak DYC is my URL on the Facebook. And you can just Google Kevin Oakley. Um, again, I, I don't do SEO. Jealous. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, there you yeah, I've worked long and hard. Uh, most of the time, you should just be able to Google Kevin Oakley. Of course, visit youconvert.com. Uh, there you'll see all of the social links there. And LinkedIn, Andrew, what what's going on there? Um, we're done LinkedIn. officially with the podcast, it's... but I've noticed that LinkedIn has come alive. And I don't know what exactly has changed, but um, I'll throw I, content I out either. there like I always have. And it just like mm-hmm. it's just consistent. Um my little, uh, you know, new home selling season has started. It's just every day it gets a new like. And I'm like, that's that's now been um, almost a, a full week since I posted that. It's just surprising. I feel like usually the content was dying much faster. Something's going on there for sure. Yeah, they're doing doing something with their algorithm. I still I still don't really like the platform. And it I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of fake Oh, there's LinkedIn accounts more so than if Facebook. Like you see some post. No one would give me a job until I, and then, you know, there's like 4 million exactly. people who have liked like, it and shared just it. Just started yeah. my new job and they have like all the swag on their desk and it's like, mm, okay, neat. <laughs> that's, that's cool. And there's, yeah, there's like 500,000 likes on it. Yep. It's like, I don't think that many people care. Um, yeah, that's the only thing that I don't like. It feels like it's spammy, which is Instagram kind of has that too. You have like two different strategies of people getting followers. They follow and unfollow, or they just go on and mm-hmm. they can see who you follow. And then they just, or they find an influencer and they go and follow every single one of the people that follow that page. Well, it's like, why it. is this random person following me? It's crazy. Bonus time on the market proof marketing podcast brought to you by LinkedIn. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week. We'll see you later.